16, just thinking back, it's always that time, isn't it, we come to the new year, it's always that time to reflect and to look forward and, you know, actually from a world perspective, as we look at 2016, there was lots of surprises, lots of tragedies, lots of celebrity deaths um, and, um, you know, Brexit and Trump are probably the two key words used politically um, of what's going on in the world and I think as I look at as a church, you know, actually we had lots of surprises, didn't we? There was lots of things that we didn't know were coming up. There was ill health that happened um, on quite a large scale for us as a church. And I just really wanted to start this morning by, by just saying, well done. Um, getting this picture of Jesus getting baptized and his father just saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. And I just felt like God wanted to speak that over us first and foremost. Well done. This has been a year for many of you, a year of trial, a year where there's been suffering, a year where there's been hardship, where there's been deaths in your families, and yet you stood firm. You stood firm. You stood on the rock of Jesus. And um, some of you will have got the email where I was just reflecting on some of the things that that we look back on 2016 for Freedom Church. It's always good to look back because I think once you're in the mix of it, it's difficult sometimes to see what God is doing. And just thinking this year, we've seen six baptisms this year in Freedom Church. I think we've seen an increased appetite for prayer and the practicing of prayer together in a corporate sense. I think we're really starting to grow in that and to get an appetite for it. We've seen many, many answers, haven't we, to prayer. God delivering people from cancers, legs growing, um, serious health conditions disappearing or improving. My health improving dramatically over this last year. Improving dramatically. Our church weekend away was an excellent time, wasn't it? An excellent time of fellowship and fun together. As Matt Hatch came and spoke, as we had our superheroes worship time together. Our Calder Stones outreach event, I thought was an excellent event, wasn't it? Um, more, more people, I think, than ever. And it was amazing, as I said, to see people coming to join us who had been there the year before, who had enjoyed it so much. And again, that response of people just cannot believe that... This is for free. That people would do something, put an event on for free. Because it just doesn't happen. Baby basics, what we've been able to do there, serving in our community there, serving the vulnerable, vulnerable families, vulnerable women with these baskets that are helping them out. Serving over 70 vulnerable families. Our intro course, having over 12 different people come and join us, hearing about the gospel, the good news of Jesus in their lives. I think um, being able to serve prayerfully and financially for many different things going on around the city and around the world, being able to support Syria AIDS, you know, Home for Goods, that charity there, uh, Open um, Door, Open Doors, um, and many, many more, to be honest, we're being able to support and will continue to support. Our great Christmas service at the end of the year, that went fantastically as we just, again, shared a hog roast together. As we saw guests coming in, we saw that dining hall full. I think the numerical growth that we've seen is phenomenal. You know, with our kids' work, 
um, across our kids' work, across Sunday morning meetings, across our life groups. We've got over 65 people signed up to life groups who are attending on a weekly basis. I think seeing how we've grown as a community in love for one another through these trials of health and hurt and tragedy, I think that for me has definitely been one of the highlights of the year as I've seen how we functioned as a community, that love that comes through. And as I said, this is one of those times of year, isn't it, where we reflect on things. And this is, this is a good thing to do. Um, and I want to encourage you, if you've not heard our vision, Freedom Church's vision, on our websites, there is a four-part vision series that you can go and listen to. That is the in-depth version of our vision of how God called us to Liverpool, of what he called us to do, of how he stirred our heart for this city and what he's called us into. And I am going to cover, at the end of this talk, I'm going to do a 10-minute summary of the vision. So I know for many of you, you hear that and you think, great, but trying to get onto the website and going to do that may not happen. And for some of you, you're new here in the last 12 months. And so you won't have heard the vision of what happened there. So I'm going to spend 10 minutes at the end just running through very quickly some of the stuff there, why we're called Freedom Church and what our value, values are, what our vision is for Freedom Church. But I felt stirred as I was thinking, Lord, what do you want me to bring to the church here for 2017? And I felt I'm stirring just again, coming back to the basics. Coming back to the basics. And I thought, what do you, what do you want to say then, Lord? And... Um, I felt like he wants to speak to us about his church. His church. Okay. Do you know, I love Christmas. I hope you've all had a great time. For me, it is so good to spend uninterrupted time with my family as I get to experience afresh the beauty of my family. I love spending time with them. But so often in the busyness of life, when we're caught up in it and everything's going on, we lose some of that don't we? Those times of interacting with my kids over the Christmas, of, of seeing them enjoying the presents that they've got, of being able to go out on bike rides with my kids, of doing, we, we got into lateral thinking puzzles. My older two are, are well into them and pretty good at them as well. Um, so they just love like, Dad, give us another lateral thinking puzzle. And just being able to really engage with them, engaging with my family afresh, and again, seeing the beauty of the, of the people and the things that God puts into our lives, of the things that he gives us. And it's so good to come back and just, oh, thank you, Lord, for the things and the people that you've given me. And I think, if I'm honest, sometimes the same thing happens when it comes to the church. We can get so caught up in the busyness of the church that uh, maybe some of the beauty that God intended it to have, we lose. The church maybe becomes a little bit of a dim reflection of what it should be. And our experiences can affect how we view it. And sometimes just being caught up in that busyness affects our hearts towards it. And I felt this morning, 
God saying, I want to refresh, I want to bring faith again of the beauty of the picture of his beautiful, beautiful bride. And um, I've actually got a book here under all these coats. I don't know who's read this book. It's Bill Hybels' Courageous Leadership. This is like in my top five. Okay? Absolutely excellent book, Courageous Leadership. Um, once you start reading it, you can't put it down. But he tells a story at the very beginning of his transformation when it comes to the church. And um, he had to do certain lectures in his college, this guy Bill Hybels, and um, one of them was, uh, was by a, um, a foundations on church history. And so he went to this lecture, and there's this French guy. So he turns up at the lecture, and he thinks, oh, no, it's a French guy. Sorry, Sandra, wherever you are. <laughs> and he thinks, not only am I bored by going to this lecture, but this guy's speaking in French. And he tells the story, and I'm going to read it out to you, of how this French guy describes the church of God. He says, um, Students, he said, there was once a community of believers who were so totally devoted to God that their life together was charged with the Spirit's power. In that band of Christ followers, Believers loved each other with a radical kind of love. They took off their masks and they shared their lives with one another. They laughed and they cried and they prayed and they sang and they served together in authentic Christian fellowship. Those who had more shared freely with those who had less until socio-economic barriers melted away. People related together in ways that bridged gender and racial um, chasms and celebrated cultural differences. Acts 2 tells us that this community of believers, this church, offered unbelievers a vision of life that was so beautiful, it took their breath away. It was so bold, so creative, so dynamic, that they couldn't resist it. Verse 47 tells us that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. He goes on to talk about how he was seized by a vision that day. A vision that he couldn't let go of. A beauty of the church. How the church should function and look. A, vid a vision that led him and shaped his entire life from then on in. I remember reading that the first time, probably, probably eight years ago, and reading this chapter on the beauty of the church and being stirred afresh by God's beautiful brides. And you know it shaped 
my life. Just like it shaped Bill Hybel's life. I believe as we look at the church, as we gaze upon it, as we dwell and try and look through Jesus' eyes, it will shape and change our very lives. Bill Hybels went on to lead a church that is one of the biggest churches in the whole of America now. It's over 20,000 people, Willow Creek. And as I said, I believe this morning, God, just before I go into the vision, just two things I want to look at. I want us to try and see the church, this beautiful bride, through Jesus' eyes this morning. I want to look at maybe the power that he's given us as the church, the, the unique role that we play in our society. Now, why is it that men and women throughout generation after generation have given up their time, their energy, their resources, and even their lives for this thing, the church? And over the Christmas, I, I read a lot of news. I quite like reading the news. It's a bit odd, I know. Um, somehow I find it relaxing at times. Um, but also I find it's a, a way to engage and to keep on top of what's going on in the world. And I have to be honest, the stories that are out there, obviously the newsworthy stories are the shocking stories. And I think more than ever before we get a better picture of what's going on on our planet because of social media, because of the way technology works. I don't think necessarily that it's changed all that much. We still have this huge problem of sin. But I think we're more exposed to what's going on. And just a few things that just even over the Christmas that I saw shocked me. Things still shock me as I read the news. And um, one of them was, I read a news story about three teenagers in London. They'd gone into a newsagent's. I don't know if anyone heard this one. And um, some men came into the newsagents, beat up these kids, stabbed them, stabbed one of them six times. Grown men coming in, doing this to teenagers in a newsagent who seemed to have no correlation whatsoever. I was shocked by this incident. I saw a video on Facebook someone had put up. And it was, a, it was in Germany. And it was a Muslim lady walking through what was seemed to be sort of the underground, um, minding her own business, obviously coming back from work, it looked like. And from behind, she was kicked very hard down a full flight of stairs by a group of grown men. Without any notice this was going to happen, she was just booted down the stairs. And I was shocked by this. The pictures, the images that we see of children and women and families in Syria, of the way they're being attacked and bombed and persecuted, they're shocking images, aren't they? You know, the sheer state of the human heart in our society is shocking. The hatred, 
and the violence that is evident is everywhere. These things aren't new. These things are things that have been going on for centuries. And as I dwell on the state of our society, as I get shocked by these things, it starts to pose some questions going on. As a man, I can't help but try and problem solve. That's just what we do. And we look at it and we start analysing it and we start saying, how do we start to change some of these things in the world? These problems that we see, this hatred and, and what seems to be pure evil going on. And you start, I start, for me, I start running through thinking about government, okay? So we've got government. What happened if we could get a really good... I'm not dissing our own government, by the way. What happens if we get a really, really good government leaders in place? And they could pass significant legislation that will effectively deal with these situations. Maybe if our prisons were better resourced or more funding was to go into our social services... Maybe that could change the violence and the rage that we see in the world around us. Would that change the violence in the human heart? What if some business person was able to create some new product or service or app that would really transform the hatred in the heart of mankind? Is that the answer? Is education the answer? Is some university professor going to come up with some new class or course that is going to change or transform someone's mind and heart? But maybe the problem actually is money. You know, if we just had more money, we could pump it into society and we would definitely see hearts changed. Maybe there wouldn't be that greed any longer. Do you know self-help programs... They can offer effective methods, can't they, of behavioural modification. Advanced psychological techniques can aid self-understanding. And I want to say all of these things are good, actually. But can any of it truly transform the human heart? Can any of those things transform the human heart? I want to suggest, no. They can't change the human heart. They can't heal a wounded soul. They can't turn hatred into love. They can't bring about repentance or forgiveness or reconciliation or peace. They can't go to the very core of the problem of the human race and deal with it. I believe there's only one power on the whole of the planet that can do this. It's the power of the love of Jesus Christ. The love that conquers sin, that wipes out shame, that heals wounds, that reconciles enemies, and patches broken dreams, and ultimately it changes the world one life at a time. The Bible tells us, doesn't it, that when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour into our life, we actually become a new creation. It says he actually comes and he dwells inside of us. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us. His love, his spirit, 
is making us more like Jesus. Jeremiah 31 reminds us, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. The hard hearts that we see around us, full of hatred and envy and jealousy and selfishness that we see as full of rebellion can be transformed. And what grips my heart when I think about this message is that the knowledge of this radical message of of the transforming love of God has been given to us, the church of Jesus Christ. This love has actually been poured out. That's what the Bible tells us. It's been poured out on you and I. And we've actually been designed to leak. It's not that we just get full up and go, ah, great, even though it's great. He's designed it so that we leak. So wherever we go, this love that is being poured out on us is poured out on other people. I want to suggest that means in a very real way, folks. Maybe the future of this world rests in the hands of local churches. The future of the world rests in the hands of local churches. Are you hearing that? The significance that we hold. No other organization on earth is like the church. Nothing comes close. There is nothing I want to suggest like the local church when it's working right. Because there are bad examples of church. I'm sure we've all experienced some of those. But when it's functioning well, man, its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. Bill Heibel says this, he says, it comforts the grieving and heals the broken in the context of community. It builds bridges to seekers and offers truth to the confused. It provides resources for those in need and opens its arms to the forgotten, the downtrodden, the disillusioned. It breaks the chains of addiction, frees the oppressed, and offers the marginalized of this world hope, love, and acceptance. That is the church. And he coined this phrase, the church is the hope of the world. And I want to challenge us this morning, because for some of us, our experiences have, have, have marred that. Actually, do we, when we look at ourselves, do we really have faith in that? That the church is the hope of the world. To truly transform communities, the church has the significant role as Jesus does his work. But you know, there are more questions that come as we look at the church and we read the news and we hear the stats about church. It's dying out. By 2025, it will be however many percentage of the population. 
this is what we hear. And so we have to ask the question, we come to these questions, will the local church, the hope of the world, be able to sustain itself till the end of time? I want to say we don't answer that question carelessly either. This isn't a flippant course. Entire empires that were supposed to be permanent fixtures in history, the Persian Empire, the Ottoman Empire, the Roman Empire, with millions of people, and lasting hundreds of years, they're gone. Wiped out. No longer here. Huge multi-billion pound corporations that we thought were absolutely rock solid. We saw some of them go in the crunch. Lehman Brothers, General Motors, Enron, Delta Airlines, all existed. Huge resources, huge staff, massive amounts of money, and yet they've gone bankrupt. So why? Why should we have any confidence that this thing called the church should outlast empires and multi-billion corporations. Well, Jesus said it, didn't he? In Matthew 16, verse 18. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What should give us confidence here, folks, is who is building it? Who is it that's sustaining it? and regenerating it from generation to generation. Who's protecting it throughout history? And the answer is Christ. The second person of the Trinity. The saviour and sustainer of the church. The one who has conquered sin and death. The one who's paid the ultimate price for the cost of our sin. The one who is victorious. He is the master builder. And our confidence of its success is in him alone. It's in his promise. His promises of a kingdom that no one can count from every tribe and tongue and nation. Our confidence is in him. What are you doing right now? He's not sitting at the right hand of the Father doing a crosswords. <coughs> or doing a lateral thinking puzzle. He's not trying to solve the problem of the environment that we see on earth here. We're told he's fully focused on the bride, the church that he established. And he's interceding with the Father right now. He is the one who is building his church on planet earth. I want to suggest if we just open up our eyes and our ears, we will see and hear what he is doing around the nations. When you hear about China and you hear 30,000 people per day coming to know Jesus Christ. When you read about South American revivals that are happening in that nation, you see a move of God. We even see it in the UK, don't we? We see more and more salvations happening. Our confidence lies in Jesus Christ. That he is the master builder and building his kingdom. And we 
Why? We have a choice this morning, don't we? We have a choice to say, well, Jesus, that's great. You're doing your thing. It's great, your church, yep. You build that. I'm just going to focus on my things. I've got my career to build. I've got my house to pay for. And, yeah, your thing's good. You keep doing that. Please, can I encourage you, let that not be your view when you think about the church of Jesus Christ. It cost him everything. He gave up everything to come as a child to earth. And he died a horrific death so that we might know him. So that his church, not buildings, his people might know him. Might get to spend eternal life with him. Might get to be set free from bondage of slavery and death. I want to say that the beauty of seeing lives transformed, there's nothing like it. People often ask me, I obviously run a business and, and lead a church here. They say to me, which one do you enjoy most? Most of the time it's the business. No. <laughs> I say, do you know what? Seeing lives transformed. And we've seen some lives transformed this year. And I'm not just talking about salvations as well. I'm talking about people who come broken. And they find faith again. They find strength to come to him. And you see their love and their passion for Jesus increasing daily. That, oh, it just gives me such joy. It makes it all worthwhile. It's what I delight in. That is the church, folks. That's why we have confidence. So, as I said, you can go on the website and you can find out what our vision is. But I wanted to just recap for those who may not be able to get on there. So about four, four and a half years ago, I felt God call me to Liverpool. I was praying. My wife's going to correct me on dates now. Don't worry about that. It happens. I felt God just say, I'm calling you to Liverpool. And actually, he called many. He called my wife on several occasions to Liverpool to give her faith that this was the place he was calling uh, he called Chris and Debs, he called Matt and Bex, he called many of you, thinking even there's many, many stories here of how God has called people to Freedom Church, to Liverpool. Some of you are actually in Liverpool, and yet you were called here to Freedom Church. And that is how church plants are established through a call from God. He brings faith, and he speaks things into being. Just as he created the heavens and the earth, he spoke Freedom Church into being. And um, so we started gathering a team, and we started looking at this city of Liverpool. We started looking at some of the amazing facts about this great city. And it has some amazing facts, okay? It's a, in its past, it is phenomenal. It was the New York of Europe. That's what it was known as. That's why the tax office is right here in Liverpool, because actually there were more millionaires here in Liverpool than there were in London. It was a very, very wealthy city. It was an innovative city. There were lots of firsts here as people produced. And so we started to get a picture of this city, of its innovation, of its history, of its past. It made lots and lots of money. It also made lots and lots of money through its shipping trade. Forty percent of the world's trade came through the docks here in Liverpool. But it also made money through slavery. 
Not only was it important goods, it started to import people. And um, God started to speak to us about this fact. That this city, almost a lot of its wealth was built on the slave trade. And God started to speak to us prophetically saying, I want this city to not have a reputation for that. I want it to be known as a city of freedom. A city where its reputation is built on freedom in Christ. Freedom in him. And so God gave us our name, Freedom Church. That's where that came from. And um, he started speaking to us about a vision, what it means to live with absolute freedom. And I've touched on some of these things as I've talked, but we have, obviously we have these up, so hopefully you'll have some idea every week you're staring at them. So when I ask you, what is the vision? Living free, bringing freedom. First, it starts with us. It starts with the fact that God has made us a new creation, hasn't he? No longer are we in bondage, are we in slavery to sin. No longer are we just drawn automatically to rebellion, to hatred, to self. Actually, he's given us new hearts. And we're to live in that freedom of knowing Christ, of being able to choose to give generously, of being able to choose him in every situation. And so we want to start by learning as a church what it is to live free. Because the Bible tells us that there's a renewing that has to happen in the mind. So our minds still remember our past. And so part of what we're doing here is we bring the word of God. As we meet in our life groups, there's a renewing of the minds. As we learn about the people that God has made us to be. We live in the fullness. Kathy brought a word about living in the fullness of Christ this morning. And we live in the fullness of of the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. That is the journey that we are on as a church, of living in the fullness, being able to worship freely, being able to rejoice in Him freely. And then we can bring freedom. We bring that freedom with us. As I said, we've been made to leak. We've been made to share the love of Jesus. And so we bring that freedom to the city of Liverpool in every context where we are. In our schools, in our workplaces at the school gates, in our streets, in our neighborhoods, in our community centers. We want to bring that freedom with us. We want people to start to see what it is to know true freedom. And then we started thinking about, that's great, but how do we work that out? Um, What does it look like to bring that freedom? Well, it's partly the kingdom of God coming. Okay, So what are we expecting to see happen in in our lives. Well, actually, we're expecting to see God's kingdom come, which means we start to see healings happen. It means we start asking people, can I pray for you? You want what? Well, you've got this broken leg. I'd love to pray for you. I believe God can heal you. It's bringing the kingdom of God everywhere we come, bringing his power everywhere we go. It's bringing the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control with us everywhere that we go. People experience Jesus through you. They experience freedom through you. This is what it is. And then we have here, we have concentric circles. Okay? The idea came a little bit from Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You've got this concentric circle going out as the gospel goes out. But actually... First and foremost, we have in the center here the cross of Christ. 
and our fundamental purpose, how we outwork this, is loving God. Okay? We want to love God and learn to love him. Learn how to love him. Learn how to be changed. Because as we spend time loving him, we become more like him. And I want to say that if, if this one is not happening, none of the rest will happen. This is the fundamental one to happen. If anything's got to happen, this has got to happen. Because if this happens truly, all of the rest follow. If this doesn't happen, nothing happens. Okay? So actually, what do we want to see as a church? We want to grow more in love with him, our saviour. The one who's purchased us, who set us free. We want to spend time with him. Because as we spend time, guess what? We become more like him. We then go out to loving one another. Okay? Second circle. So we have this community. And I want to say, well done again. I think this one, for us as a church, as Freedom Church, is probably our strongest point at the minute. It's our strongest suit. God, I think, has actually given us opportunities He's thrown circumstances to us that has allowed us to express and live out a love for one another. I think actually we have to look at some of this year and say, it's been a privilege to be able to express this love for one another. Thirdly, loving Liverpool. Okay, as our love for one another grows, this one should occur as well. Loving Liverpool, loving those around us, bringing the love of Jesus to them. And um, do you know what I want to say this? It's, it's an unconditional love that we're talking about here. This isn't dependent on them to come into our events. This isn't dependent on them coming to Christ, actually. It's simply because God loves us and we have his love. And we, wanna, we need to pray for more of his compassion and his love to increase. And, you know, it's been amazing to see baby basics, the way we've been able to love vulnerable women in our community in that way. That's been one of the ways that as a church we've been able to express our love and to see the big help, what Barry's doing there, um, is amazing to see this charity who is serving people in in the Nosley area providing love there. It's great to see our intro course actually bringing people in to hear the gospel, the good news. But I want to say this about this one. I think, actually, we've probably got most growth to do in this area. This coming year, we have got a lot of growth to do on evangelism and loving Liverpool. And I think it's great what we've seen sick, sick baptisms, but I'm not satisfied with what we've seen. And so we're going to be looking hard at how we stir this area for us as a church, of how... Actually, through loving God, through loving one another, this naturally leads to a loving Liverpool. And it it might mean changing the things that we're doing to make this happen. But this has got to happen. This is why God has called us to the city to love Liverpool. And finally, loving the nations. Actually, very, very much back the covenant that God had with Abraham was that he would be a blessing to the nations. Okay, we believe as a church that we are part of that. We are a blessing to the nations. And so actually, we've been able to give, we've been able to pray for. I think the next stage that we want to be looking at is, is, is mission, is sending people out on mission to other nations. And I know there are little bits of happening, um, but this is something we want to see on a wider scale for us as a church as we look forward. Lord, what do you want to do with us?
I think this is an area that he wants to, to look at. Um, to end, just, just very finally, I wanted to just bring a few things that I've been feeling for this year as I've been praying. And I believe God spoke to me about this year. And I believe he said this. I believe he said there's going to be more change and fruit this year than we have seen in the last three combined. In the entire life of Freedom Church, this year we are going to see more fruit than we've seen in the last three. I believe God is going to grow us beyond this building that we're in now. And I believe he's going to really start to establish us in this city as Freedom Church. I think it's going to be, yeah, that's going to stretch us again. Even though this felt like a stretching year, I believe this year is going to be another year of stretching, but I think in more healthy ways. And I believe he would say this is going to be a year that you look back at and remember its significance. That's what I heard him say. You're going to look back at this year, 2017, and remember its significance. I believe we're going to see more than one significant ministry rise up in Freedom Church this year. And I think it's going to open doors to reach people that we're not currently reaching. I believe this is a year where God is going to raise up new leaders in Freedom Church. I want to say this, when we look at Acts 13, you know, and that's a passage that I have looked at a few times, we see the church in Antioch, the first church planting church, they were in a prayer meeting, they were praying and fasting. And God spoke significant things to them in that time. He wanted to do a significant change, a breakthrough moment. And I want to end by urging you to join us this week as we seek God for his plans for us, Freedom Church. As we urge his kingdom to come in Liverpool. I want to suggest that you commit at least one prayer meeting into your diary this week. Can I urge you to come to one meeting as a minimum? Come along, get involved. And can I urge you to also give up a minimum of one meal this week and pray. When you should be eating, feed on him. Feed on him. Because I believe it's in these times, in the praying and the fasting, where we will see breakthrough moments where God will speak. I don't know how he's going to work these things out. Well, I do. It's going to be through you. That's how God is going to work out his plans here in Freedom Church. If we're going to see significant growth, if we're going to see more fruit than we've seen in the last three years, if we're going to see new ministries rise up, it's only going to come through you. I want to suggest that God will speak this week. God will speak to you. He will give you faith. He will encourage you. And this isn't a pressure on you. I don't want you to hear that. I don't want you to go away feeling like, oh, this is not meant to be that. He is the head of his church. He will build his church. Please let that be the forefront of what you know. But he, in his grace and sovereignty, wants to use you and me in this.